Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everybody, ZDog MD, VP. Back in the house. We're back in the house, and we are exclusive for the first three days on our new joint venture with Marty McCary and Adam Sifu and John Mandrola and you and me as the editorial And board. others. And others. Yes. As others as- Iona Christia and- uh, <sighs> That's right. Yes, yeah, so we have a few others uh, from Europe who are on our editorial board. That, yeah. that makes us by definition sophisticated. <laughs> so sensible medicine is the name of our new thing. Yes, sensible medicine. It's for medicine, but with a little bit of sense. <laughs> Heaven forbid. And you know, it's funny that you have to add that to medicine. Yeah. Well, I medicine mean, is no longer sensible. Yeah, I don't know, I'm not sure how long it's been insensible. I mean, we talk about insensible losses. You sleep losses. with a N95 or a full respirator? <laughs> what, do you, what do you do there? I sleep in a Darth Vader helmet. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. Because it just allows for the most possible ventilation. That way you can at least filtration. Talk about abortion. As you drift off. As yeah. I do, yeah, behind <laughs> yeah, a mask, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so today, speaking of what we're gonna talk about, we're yes. gonna talk about why, what what are the aspects of things that would allow you to trust a paper, trust a communicator, trust a physician, trust a scientist. So this as- aspect of trust, because we are <clears throat> launching this new po- platform and and this idea of how do you, how, who do you turn to? Because you got Medscape, you got MedPage, you got all kinds of stuff online, Twitter, who do you trust? We're gonna talk about some angry Doctor tweets. Oh yes. Oh, that's going to be good. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about San Diego bringing back mask mandates for kids in the fall. Yeah, actually, I, yeah, and I think even the summer students have to be subjected to them. But it'll be it'll be an interesting discussion. Oh, I'm looking forward. Remember, to the it. masks have to be there until we have vaccines for all ages, and and then a few years afterwards <laughs> too. You just gotta keep doing it for just a few keep, more years. Keep, keep going. Just keep, keep going. going you know, keep going. No we'll, end in sight. We'll talk about uh, monkeypox a little. We'll talk about Fauci retirement oh, and then right. other things will arise as they always do <laughs> <laughs> so all right all right let's launch into this thing about um trust trust uh, how does a lay person how forget lay people how do other physicians how do other healthcare professionals figure out who they trust and during the pandemic it became a question of like well do i trust robert malone who was a you know quote unquote vaccine inventor and, that's right didn't he uh, he made the mrna vaccine that's right he made it. Uh, exactly. the only person i heard say that is him but i never <laughs> I never heard anyone else say that, but okay. Fine. Well, so, it's a good contrast. So yeah. do you trust Robert Malone or do you trust the guy who taught me about Robert Malone, uh, Paul Offit? I see. And what's the distinction? How yeah. would you know? Do I trust you? Right. Is there something about I've my I've never affect? shown my back to you. Do you know that? I've noticed that. Yeah, I've always walked around well, the that, apart. Yeah. That's because we're both uh, South Asian and we know that, <laughs> dude, it, it, we're the most competitive. Just like, oh, dude, yeah. I'll kill Pounce. you. Yeah. I'll take your views. I'll take your subscribers. <laughs> you take <laughs> 
Yeah, you'll take your pounds. Uh, it's a really interesting question. And I guess, um, I mean, it seems to me, tell me if I'm wrong, that when, I mean, the predominant thing that most people use to quote unquote trust somebody is when they say stuff that they like to hear. I mean, yeah. most people that yeah. confirmation like, bias. It's confirmation bias. It's like, oh, I really trust. He's a really knowledgeable doctor, yeah. and why? Oh, oh, he just kept saying things that I that fit my intuition. And uh, why do you trust him? And then they can go find something about that person right. for why they trust him. But then you find somebody who has divergent views with a similar sort of credential. Oh, well, well that that's not the well, that, well, credentials that, well, aren't well, everything. And, and that yeah. person is doing it for ulterior motives. The person yeah. who agrees with me is doing it because they're noble. They're noble. They're true. They're well intentioned. The person who disagrees with me has an ulterior motive and. And their credentials don't count, but these person's credentials do. I think that's a central truth of it. Yeah. I think there's also something to do with the, what, what's called a parasocial projection. So this idea that you see somebody, you kind of judge them a bit on their affect, on their likability, on how they connect with you emotionally. How they smile. How they smile. <laughs> do, do, they, do they turn? Like I've had so many people tell me two different things about me. And it, it, again, I think it all relates ultimately to the confirmation bias down at the base. Like, what do I want to hear? And is he saying what I want to hear? And if he is, I'll find ways to like him. Okay. Right. But what do the, they say the about two you? things yeah. they say about me is one, oh, they like me because they feel like I am natural, I'm unguarded, I'm authentic, and I'm trustworthy in that sense because I'm just going to say the truth because I don't have anything to lose. I'm not paid by any clinical enterprise. And they like the idea that I change my mind, that I'm somewhat nuanced about things and that- And uh, you're a centrist. And I'm a bit of a centrist. So they, they like that. Then this identical person with a different set of beliefs will say, I don't trust this guy. He seems contrived. He's like a slick communicator. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't say um and uh enough. Like it's almost like everything's prepared. He makes eye contact with the camera, which creeps me out. He strikes me. And so- He's and, too smooth. Too smooth. Yeah, you're too smooth too an operator. Smooth. And too much of a communicator, like a Dr. Oz knockoff. That's how you talk, talk me into that real estate venture. It kind weeks. of is. <laughs> Dude, We're I'm telling all you, in on the real estate Arizona venture. will have oceanfront property. <laughs> eventually. Eventually, yeah, right, if eventually. we keep up our current level. <laughs> it, it, but- uh, uh, and, and so it, it, it came to a head because there was a prominent podcast that actually said the same thing about us. Oh, they dear. said there's something parasocially about these guys that you, you want to trust them. They kind of like have a couple of bros telling you about stuff. You want to have beers with them, but then they go off the rails on I, the science. And I got to admit, though, that in my life, I have rarely been considered, quote, one of the bros. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not exactly my style or mannerisms. This podcast actually yeah. said Z-Dog is like the kind of guy that would show up to the club and you're in the DJ booth and he'd come up smelling of alcohol and trying to tell you about all his worldviews. And I'm like, they don't know you're in bed by 9.30. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like the guy who's like asleep at nine, wake up at four, meditate for four hours. Like, yeah, I'm, I, I can't I can't drink he's because sipping, I wake up with epigastric pain. Yeah, he's sipping chamomile tea. And, <laughs> and after one drink, he taps out. You I'm know, out. he does, he does. I mean, after this, we're going to get beers. I'll and be like, I, I know you can only have one. Yeah, yeah. because otherwise I'll just be like, oh, uh, listen, Finn, I'll be up all night. I'll be up all night with epigastric pain. Well, let me say one thing that I think is the kernel here, which is that, um, there is one thing you pick up on people when you see them talk in a video format uh, and a little bit on audio for the podcast I listen to that you don't get anywhere else. And that is a bit of a glimpse as to whether or not they're talking like they're a victim of a hostage video. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, you know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Are, is Z-Dog, is his view on community masking? in part motivated because he himself is very, very scared, right. nervous, apprehensive. And we're gonna talk about those angry doctor tweets yes, where I yes. think you'll feel it yeah. in just tweets, which is a, not the same as a video. You'll feel a level of anxiety and concern that makes you say, whoa. Yeah. And I would say that 
just because he comes across as a good communicator doesn't mean you should trust him. And I certainly wouldn't trust anyone just because I think they're articulate. Um, but if somebody comes across sweating bullets, they're riddled with anxiety, they're nervous, then I'd say that, you know, I would be a little bit wary that maybe their concern a little bit is excessive or it's more worried about them than they let me put it differently. They cannot objectively think about a policy issue if right. they have so much of their own emotions at stake. That's right. Now, and the thing is, and it becomes a bit of a paradox because the question is, do you want somebody talking about an issue that they have nothing emotionally invested in it? Like, do you want a Spock-like figure who can just right. analyze it objectively and speak to it? And, and and it gets to the heart of like what we're trying to do with sensible medicine, right? Which right. is a Substack. you guys can find it. I'll put a link there. Um, the idea is you get a diversity of opinions. Often they'll disagree. On sensible medicine. On sensible medicine. Yes. Right? We've got, um, I mean, we have people who are clinicians on the, you know, 99% uh, clinicians going to tell you stories about clinical work and clinical life. We're going to have Mandrola talk about how to think about cardiology. Who knows what Marty's going to say? It always surprises us. Yeah. You and I are going to do some things. Uh, and there's going to be other people. We've already started to build our list of contributors. I've got some people who've expressed interest. They want to submit some stuff. So it's going to be a place to showcase a wide breadth of writing. Right. And uh, audio maybe and video, who knows? All of the above. All and the above. I, I think what's interesting is this because I've kind of, for my own enterprise, I'm kind of like, well, I want to talk more about, you know, things about, you know, the present moment and mm -hmm. and things that I'm fascinated with and on that regard. But right. sensible medicine is kind of the space for us to to apply whatever we learn into the medical space. So, into like, the medical if space, I'm yeah. contributing there, I might do pieces on how do you do social media as a healthcare professional and and actually generate trust. And how do you open yourself to ideas that challenge your and confirmation stay, bias? stay true to who you are. Exactly, be authentically you. Because yeah. that, that's easy. You see it happen during pandemic. People fall into the, the, other, the other downside of this idea of second selfing, producing a social media, which is the internalized capitalism of, I want the views, I'm captured by my audience, there's some influence and even money involved and so on, and, and that rabbit hole that you can fall down. And you know, that's honestly, why I cover those multi-center randomized control trials in oncology for the views, Z. For the views, <laughs> you're doing it for the money. All those 200 people. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> globally, who are interested. Love that stuff. Yeah, like, but those 200 people make an average salary of thirty thousand dollars a year. <laughs> oh, yeah, so I mean, they've got money to throw at you. Yeah, But you know, but it is interesting because the question of like monetary incentives, the people, people who like to throw stones about that. Right, which I think it's, listen, you should question everything. That's great. I think that's part of what I'm gonna conclude, but we'll hear what oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, right. You should question everything, but you should also then turn that same lens on yourself. Like if you're saying question everything, right? Well, then what about questioning your own beliefs, your own fixed beliefs around whatever this conspiracy is or whatever your own capture is? Like there are a lot of public figures who like to throw stones at stuff, but then sure. will never turn the lens back on themselves. Okay, so yeah. let's do it for a sec. I mean, I would say what motivates, I'll speak for myself yeah. for doing this thing that we're doing right now, what motivates me uh, twofold. One, I mean, I decided to do health policy as my scholarly career focus. I think this podcast is to some degree an extension of that because we talk a lot about policy issues that are the, the issues of the day. Um, I quickly realized that you don't just want to talk to other academics because there's only three other three other people out there. You know, I mean, you want to you want to reach people, right? And uh, that's part of it because it's like if you have ideas about how the world ought to be, you would want to communicate those ideas. I think that's what motivates a lot of people. And then the second part is it's kind of just fun. Yeah, it's fun to come down here. 
and Dude. take the afternoon, chat with you. I, so the way the way we do our thing, yes. and, and, so it's the same thing. Yes. Like people say, why are, why are you not doing a video on BA5 and why are you not doing this? I'm like, because I'm not interested in it. Like I'm not interested in it. But when you text me and go, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? Because your schedule is much more tight than mine, right? Mine's like, well, can I fit you in between moments of me sitting, staring at the wall? Uh, <laughs> then, then okay. Yeah. And, and I get excited. I'm like, I don't care what we talk about. I know it's going to be a good, challenging a good discussion. Conversation. Right? Yeah, good conversation. And so we can talk about monkeypox. We can talk about whatever, masking. It, it, it's fascinating. And then what it does is it actually creates a conversation, at least judging by the uh, emails that we get, where they're like, hey, I love listening in to what you guys say because it's like how I and my friends talk about these issues. Right. And yet there is a rigor about it because right. you're a policy guy. And because I do think about this stuff, I'm yes. much less rigorous than you, but, well, you're rigorous but the nice thing way. is I'm a bouncing point for you to do your rigor. Right? Ah, <laughs> so uh -huh. it, it becomes a very good thing. So with the sensible medicine thing, it's like now we bring in a bunch of other voices. So it's not just us shouting into the void. Right. It's a group of different people with different ideas. Yeah, that and often we, may all, we may not all agree. Yeah, of course, exactly, that's right. okay. Yeah, it's we, encouraged. Well, it is encouraged on our yeah. thing, but is it encouraging the world these no, days? Probably no, not. probably not. Probably not. Okay, let's come back to the trust issue. So one of the things I think, I, I mean, the part I'm about the parasocial stuff I'm willing to accept is that um, if somebody looks like they're under distress, you know, obviously my trust in them is going to go down a great right. deal. And that's why even when people, you know, in the classic situation, when somebody's telling you about a crisis, they need to keep their cool. You know, isn't that the old story about a CPR? The right. first pulse you check at a CPR is your own. Is your own. You check yeah. your own because you need some level of, you know, di you know, talk about distance. Distance helps you think about things because if you're panicking. Yeah so much then you might you're probably gonna make a mistake it's reptilian brain running the whole thing thinking fast yeah, yeah. but of course simply because you're not in, in a uh a distress doesn't mean you're you're right of course right, you right, could, right, you're, right. i mean you're mostly still wrong right um i don't know i i have i can on my little episode i talked about all the different metrics from how do you judge somebody how many papers have they published in peer review articles Paul Offit, I think, has published quite a bit. Yeah, quite a bit. Um, how many total sites? But, but of course, the limitations of that are you can be the middle author on a bunch of stuff. And right. middle authors don't do that much. Right. You can get your name added to a lot of things. Um, some of the work you do could be mediocre or plotting or not interesting. Or just like going with the flow of what you know gets published. Correct. Right. Yeah. You play You're the game. You're not challenging anything. Not, yeah. Yes. I, I mean, it's and, and I always said that like I take someone's CV in my mind. I cross off all middle author. I cross off things that I don't think they wrote where there's one older person on the paper and two younger people yeah. where I feel like the two younger people wrote it all and the old yeah. person getting the credit. You know, I cross those off and I'm left with a set of articles that I think they may have actually contributed to. Right. But then I like to read the articles because I want to see, are they really challenging things? And then I like to read other articles related to say, were they the first person to say that? Or are they just kind of copying or paraphrasing what others have said? Right. You know, for me, that's all that's very, very valid um, uh, heuristic for figuring this out. It's funny with me, it's a, <laughs> and, it, and I don't, this is not scientifically valid, but it is a internal heuristic where I can feel whether somebody is nuanced in their thinking, whether they're w willing to change their mind, whether they're able to look at different angles, mm. how absolute they speak and what their flexibility is. Now, off it's interesting because he was classically typecast as somebody who was just the pro vaccine or die. And he's shown that that's, he's he's still very much about yeah, of vaccines. Course. Like when they're proven and work, he when, is pro-vaccine. Exactly right. right. He is that, but. He's really about pro doing evidence. things correctly. Yes. And, and and he's been wrong about stuff and he'll say it. And he still may be wrong about stuff. And he and eventually will say, oh yeah, yeah, that wasn't quite right. And he is, he points out where he's biased. He goes, I see kids, that's what I do. So of course I'm gonna say vaccinate under fives. And, and I think that's great. And he puts it out there. He's reasonable, he's thoughtful, he's polite. 
those those are the parasocial things that then make me say, oh, okay, it's quite interesting. And he tolerates a ton of hate and yeah. still lets it roll off him. Yeah. Now you could compare to some other pro-vaccine physicians. Go on. That I will not name. Okay. But they come off as absolutist. They come off as alarmist. They come off as, um, it's about them. Well, and, yeah. yeah. But don't you think part of it is that like, they don't actually know the data. Like, I mean, just because you get an MD doesn't mean you actually know a lot about where data comes from and how it should be interpreted. Paul is somebody who has proven time and time again, he has a very nuanced understanding of the data. What was that thing he said to you in your podcast? Ah, he said that the ratio of neutralizing antibody from Pfizer to Moderna right. was different. Right. And that difference did not translate into a meaningful difference in severe disease or death. Right. Because Moderna, of course, with a higher dose generates more antibodies than Pfizer. Right. But they didn't get the commensurate reduction in severe disease or death. Right. Ergo, that merely because you're showing me that the antibody is higher, you have not yet persuaded me that you're likely to have a reduction in severe disease or death because I know from Moderna Pfizer. So that's a very, it took, like, he's the first person I heard articulate that little point. And he does that routinely, routinely with these points that you're like, oh, I never even looked at that and saw that. And now you're you're, you're articulating it. You see it. You yes. make the connection. Yes. And, you articulate it. And, and you articulate and it. And I can verify it because I can go pull up the packet. Right it's right there. And why can he do that? Because he's done this for years. So there's an expertise component. He has a deep expertise. A deep expertise. But he's not blinded so much by the expertise, although I suspect there's some bias. And he'll yes. say that too. And uh, that's why somebody like that I find deeply trustworthy, as does much of my audience, even the more anti-vaccine component of them actually are starting to go, hey, this guy actually is kind of reasonable. Yes. I'm just hoping they'll listen to him about childhood vaccine. <laughs> right. I mean, the ones that are plummeting. Right. Yes. Plummeting. Uh, plummeting. Around the world. Around the world. Like 80% yes. Uh, yes. uptake now. It's terrific. It's really bad. It's going to lead to many plagues. Right. I mean, you Yet know. Yet another side effect of our response to this plague. That's what I think. Right. You know? Right. Okay. So back to the Paul Offit point and the other doctors. I mean, I think that this was always, I mean, Paul Offit and many other doctors were on the right side of childhood immunization. Yeah. But Paul Offit understood why, and they didn't really understand That's why. Right. And right. when you took somebody who doesn't understand why right. and when vaccines are life-saving and miraculous, and you give them a new situation and new data, they cannot process the data. Right. Okay. But how do we, how do, I don't know. I mean, I come back to, there's nothing about Paul Offit's CV versus I mean, there are many people out there who I think his CV is worse than Paul Offit. But there are also some people whose CV is like on paper, similar to Paul Offit, but they just say a lot of crazy stuff yeah. that I think is totally wrong, not supported by evidence. Um, for instance, Paul Offit is a professor. He's at the University of Pennsylvania. I believe he holds like some chair of vaccine right. communication or research or something. Right. He runs a lab in vaccines. Now, there's some other people out there who run a lab in virology or vaccine science, but they say a lot of crazy stuff. And they have zealot views and um, maybe they themselves are personally afraid, but they can't process information well, in my opinion. Right. There are other people out there who are professors. Uh, they're also not always like Paul Offit. They're, they're not nuanced. They're dogmatic. They're rigid in their thinking and they're scared. There are other people out there who may have an endowed chair like Paul Offit, I think it does. Yeah. Um, and they're also kind of crazy. So I feel like, I don't know, is there, it's not the credential. Yeah. And, and so how would a lay person ever feel? Yeah. They, can't. they can't. They're going with their confirmation bias. They're going with affect. They're going with parasocial pro pro projections. And the truth is, so what do we do then? How do we at the Sensible Medicine platform then start to um, uh, help unwind some of this stuff? Because the truth is, like, why, why are we working with John Mandrola? Because he's eminently rational. He's written extensively on yeah. topics that we feel he's thought through very carefully. Right. We do have some confirmation bias, probably both you and I, in the sense that we agree with a lot of what he says about medical conservatism, meaning like- Being judicious. Being judicious in how we uh, do medicine. Um, 
That's a really good question. It's a good question, right? Because 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 one of the questions is if we really believe, like if we're so firmly in the camp of like, hey guys, like doing stuff to people instead of for them can have side effects that are bad. Are we just, are we blinded by that confirmation bias or is it just that we're trying to find truth and we think that's more truth and so we're going with that and then what's to differentiate that from someone who like loves Robert Malone because he's saying what they believe which is, you know, the government is creating a mass formation psychosis around vaccines and so on. Okay. That's a very good question. I guess for the sake of argument, let's imagine that you and I listen to some podcasts, and this is true, we listen to some things that are outside of our wheelhouse, biomedicine. Yeah. So we happen to have an expertise in biomedicine, but I listen to things in the law, and I listen to things um, in uh, economics that are really outside my wheelhouse, including monetary policy and Supreme Court. You know, I've talked about this on this podcast before. Um, Supreme Court porn, I believe was the topic <laughs> we talked about. I put on my RBG neck <laughs> necklace and my dress. Yeah. You do cosplay with RBG? I love it. RBG cosplay. That's great. Hey, RBG had some good liners. Lines. She did. She did. But she also kind of stayed a little long. Yeah, she seat. was there. Yeah. But and, I mean, and refused to give up the seat when Obama could have appointed a liberal and so kind of led. Oh, to is the, that true? Yeah. Oh. RBG had an opportunity. And I think Obama approached her and said, if you retire now, we can appoint a liberal. She oh. didn't. And then unfortunately, she thought she could live to a Hillary Clinton presidency. Oh, that didn't happen. Oh, wow. Um, that's she tough. passed away under Trump, and that's what led to the conservative court. Oh, I didn't think about that. It's a bit mm. of narcissism. Actually, it's related to Fauci's retirement. Do you uh, want to go there? Let's I, talk about Fauci's. Well, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's the next thing we talk about. But you were saying something oh, yeah, about, oh, yeah, that. unwinding this confirmation. Oh, okay. Question. Yeah. Okay. So how do I yeah. do it? I guess I would say that, like, what do I listen for in things that it's not my domain? I mean, I don't like people who just tell me facts about their world. I like people who explain why right. those are the facts. Right, right, right. And I think John Mandrola is a very gifted guy. Yeah. I know this to be true because I've worked with him a lot over the years on many papers and many, and I've talked to him a lot. John Mandrola believes his job is not just to tell you what John Mandrola thinks. He wants to take a study, simplify it as simply as possible that it preserves the meaning, but no simpler, you know, sort of that Einstein idea, tell you those facts about it and then show you why he believes what he believes and have you reach the same conclusion. Now, somebody who disagrees with John Mandrola, I think they don't always do a good job of breaking down and explaining why they believe what they believe and why it reaches a conclusion. And when I listen to these law podcasts, the podcasts that I don't like as much are ones that are hand wringing. Supreme Court did this and, oh, it's bad. It's bad. Mm -hmm, it's bad. Mm -hmm. And then I want to say like, OK, yeah, I agree. It sounds bad. But again, I don't know anything about it. Why is it bad again? And and what what should they have done? And why should they have done that thing instead of what they did? Yeah. And, you know, I listened to that Akhil Amar from Yale. He does a really good job of explaining. He explains like where he agrees with them, why he disagrees, yeah. where they went wrong. And he had something on um, – this is a touch tangent, but I'll just tell you for two seconds. Okay. Yeah. So is, is this whole thing about like the exclusionary rule in law, which apparently means that like if you're a defendant in a court of law and the, do and the, the cops were not supposed to stop you, but for whatever reason they stop you and they find you have like a bloody knife and you're, you're guilty of murder. Yeah. Um, I think in a court of law under the Fourth Amendment, you can say like that knife shouldn't be admissible in court because it was ill, it, it, like wrongly gotten. Right. Like they found it when they weren't they weren't supposed to find it. Right. They didn't have a warrant or whatever. They didn't have a warrant. Yeah. And I think the Supreme Court has built this huge jurisprudence around like when something is admissible, properly gotten, when it's not wrongly gotten, and that leads to a lot of people's trial, like the fate of the trial. Right. This evidence. And Akilamar says he approaches the same question. And he thinks that the way we have thought about this is all wrong. What are the things we actually want? Like we want to put guilty people in prison and innocent people to let go. We want not to intrude the freedoms of innocent people. And then he's saying that like um, 
throwing out evidence that is guilt that is proof of the crime after you have wrongly stopped someone doesn't prevent you from wrongly stopping them. It just lets a guilty guy off, right? Yeah. And you need different rules for wrongly stopping, like punitive damages if you were like innocently harassed uh, by cops. Yeah, yeah. But when you find something, even if you didn't mean to find it, and you find it and it proves guilt, you should be able to use that. You should that. be able to use right. that. Okay. Right. So and then he and then he also appeals to the Constitution as to and, and by the way, if I'm totally butchering this because I've only listened to you know, I'm not an expert. Hey, man. This. Okay. This is my understanding of what he's saying from listening to his show. I have and, a parasocial pro- projection that I trust you about everything. Okay. So I, you're a lawyer as far well, as I'm concerned. Well, I mean, what do I know about this? I, I've never, you know, I don't know anything about criminal court. Okay. So yeah. I want to say to the audience, I don't know about this topic. Yes. However, yes. this is what he has taught me from listening to a show. And I would say, and people can tell me if I'm wrong, but I do think he he's making good points. And, you know, again, I'm not the person who's going to decide this issue, but the fact that I, a doctor who knows nothing about the law, really, um, you know, can listen to that and feel like I've learned a few things, um, you know, that's nice. Yeah. And that's what I hope that a lay person will get a sensible medicine. They'll be like, look, I don't know. I, know, I can't put my, you know, my nickel down that Mandrella is right. But, you know, Mandrella makes good points. Right. Um, and then, but sensible medicine is also for people who are cardiologists and who are doctors. Yeah, who, absolutely. Who can really interrogate because there's yeah. going to be deeper level stuff on 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 the site that's contributed by people that are very smart in their field that are that are doing that. You know why why I like Marty yes. is his work on price transparency on healthcare policy change. Yes, like that. Like forget about all the COVID stuff. That's all well and good. It. The reason I love Marty is that he's always been passionate about like sticking up for people who cannot stick up for themselves, like our patients who are sued into oblivion by massive healthcare systems, by you know f- fighting against middlemen like group purchasing organizations and PBMs that ratchet up the cost of healthcare. Like that's how I first met Marty. That's and- how I first knew Marty too. Yeah. And I would say that's a good feature. But Marty is willing to speak truth to power, yeah. even when it's not in anyone's best interest to criticize that. Yeah, including his own. Including his own. Yeah. I'm sure it's not his best. And yeah. just like, what is that out of network billing or- uh, um, Right, right, right. Surprise that? out of network. Surprise yeah. billing, surprise yeah. billing. Marty's been against that from the outset. Yep. That's something that a lot of doctors, they pull their hair out and, right. oh God, they may write to us and say, we need to surprise bill these patients. Like, exactly. I don't know. Yeah. It's problematic. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's always been uh, good on that issue. Yeah. By the way, there's another issue that really keeps sticking in my craw. You know- um, and you know, I've been very interested in health policy and how money flows in the system. And I think there's so many things that are problematic. But one thing that I keep seeing people say on social media that is just so wrong is they're like, insurers are just denying care to, to make more profits. Right. I was like, that's just not that's how not they make how money. Works. No. They make more money. They pay the care. If they pay the care. Yeah, that's right. And why is that? Because they are limited as to what percent of their revenue can be profit. That's and right. that's a cap set by the Affordable Care Act. That's right. And if you can tell me we're ordering pizza and I can only eat 20% of the pizza, I want to order extra large. Extra large with all the toppings. With all the toppings. And that's why you see these things like $1,300 or $13,000 COVID tests. Yes. A strep swab that was $25,000. And the insurer paid it. Insurer paid it. And insurer paid it. I mean, they have have some obligation to like buffer year to year variability. But long term, they're not really in the cost containment business. And like, look, the healthcare system is broken. But if you want to go and throw grenades, you should at least be accurate and throw the grenades in the right direction. That's right. There are problems. And I think the insurance company could be made a lot better. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think they're doing exactly what you think they're doing. They're doing something different and yes. other players are doing different things. Yes. But it really irritates me. Marty, of course, um, he has always sought to understand how yeah. it's broken yeah. and throw the grenade And he the right. meets with all the players. Like yeah, he'll he meet with the CEOs of insurance companies. He, I mean, he knows all these people. He's very connected. Surprised we made the Rolodex. I know. <laughs> Every day, like when Marty texts me, he's like, hey, I'm in town. I'm like, why are you texting me? Why like, are you texting? Go, go like hang out with like, 
Elon Musk or something. Want to get some soup? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, does this soup, the fish in this soup, does it have bones? Because, um, yeah, no, it, it, it's really true. What's interesting too about the, the, you know, the, all the incentive stuff is that it does take a lot of understanding and yes, knowledge to then be able to sit, to get up on a high horse and say, this is wrong. And that's what he does. He puts that work in in advance. It's a tangled ball of wire. That's right. And anyone can go in and pull on the wire, but it helps to pull on the right part, the of, the wire, the right right part, part of the wire, yeah. right part of the wire to exactly. untangle it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and it's a mess. Of yeah. course it's a mess. Yep. There are jokes about how it is a mess. In fact, the fact it's a mess is part of why the system is allowed to be so broken because it's not so easy to fix. Nobody thinks they can fix it. Right. It's multifactorial. I think ultimately it's gotta be a, 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 it's a phase shift solution where you work on different parts independently. You start speaking a language that points at a, what a future system might look like. And then there's a phase shift where something snaps because when we run out of money, when, you know, it's like, you know, you can talk about climate change and all that, but when the sea level is here on a New York building and it's starting to flood like the treasury and stuff, then somebody will be like, well, maybe we should geoengineer something. Right. <laughs> but until then it's like, uh, and it's the same with healthcare. It's reaching the point though now where, you know, how many was it? One in five um, American bankruptcies are due to healthcare costs. Cancer, which is your specialty. Seems a, seems a bit high. Seems okay. <laughs> Go on, go on, yeah. Yes, I, I, I've seen the bankruptcy literature. Yeah, yeah. What's the what's the take? Is that an incorrect uh, statistic? You know, actually, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have said anything. I guess I would say I'm not sure. Um, I remember there was some pushback a long time ago about this. Yeah, statistic. I do too. Yeah. yeah, but now I forget exactly. Well, it's what the same as the like you know, and you and Marty had it out over this was the third leading cause of death. third leading cause of death is medical errors, right? Uh, you know, people. As much as I love Marty, you can go yeah. pull the tape. I, I wrote an op-ed very critical of his thing, but yeah. But, you know, I want to come back to this trust thing one more time. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the theme well, we're again, on. Well, again, and, and to, to point on that, yes. look how we're even disagreeing about things. Because I actually don't, I don't know enough. Yes. The way, that's how it has to be. Right. <laughs> like, look, oh, look at the way you ask. Is, right. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Shh, tell me how I'm wrong and so actually, I can understand if I am wrong. Yeah. I don't know. That I, right. and, and I'll have to look it up after the show. Yeah, yeah. But either way, the question is we're questioning. The question is we're right, questioning. Right. So back to your trust issue. Back to the yeah. trust issue. Yeah. I think- I listened to Russ Roberts on Econ Talk. He's from Stanford University, and he's been doing this for 2006, you know, podcasting before it was cool. Mm -hmm. um, and why do I try? I mean, I like him a lot. I trust him because the other thing is, as you listened, okay, other things you can look for. When you look at somebody's body of work, is there a cohesiveness to their worldview? Do they blow, like, I don't know, did, Vin did Vinay Prasad say, we need randomized evidence for the first time in the pandemic? Turns out, I've been saying that for a long damn time. You know, I've been yeah. saying the same thing. I'm always saying it. I want better evidence because I know when you don't have good evidence, you can be misled. Um, consistency. Um, sometimes you get from these podcasts like, does somebody ask erudite questions? Are they asking thoughtful questions? Do they pause and check themselves? Mm -hmm. And do they speak bombastically? Like, you know, yeah. anybody who says that, like, I don't know, um, what does this say? Like, oh. I just saw this recently. Another person retweeted the usual, like, if we all wore N95 masks for two weeks, the pandemic would, would go, you, away. go, it would away, go right. away. Right. They all have to say that. But there's similar bombastic rhetoric on the other side, which says that I think masking a child is child abuse. Right. And I would say that there are certain instances where I would, you know, well, first of all, I'm not a believer that there's good data. Right. So I don't believe in doing things that don't have good data. Right. But you don't need to say that, like, a child wearing a cloth across their mouth, like they would, they might do it for like a Spider-Man costume or something. Right. I mean, it's hard for me to believe that this is child it's, abuse. It's, 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 it's hyperbolic, it's hyperbolic emotional yeah. stuff that then makes you, 
if you already agree with them, you trust them implicitly. Yeah. If you disagree with them, you, you dismiss them entirely. So what if someone came out and said, okay, so let's just look at the data on child masking. Like, okay, is it abuse? Well, there's really, if it is, <laughs> we're missing the big picture of it. It's probably much more subtle than that. And then maybe like there's some kids that you can say like they have disabilities. It's very cruel. Exactly it's right, cruel. special needs. It's cruel. That's right. But to call it abuse. Yeah, uh, that, that's a very loaded term. And and even then, then you'll have to show me data that shows me that it's, it's abusing. abusive. Right. And then also like, meanwhile, we should actually have like the last 50 cases that came into the Department of Child Protective Services on a, unreal abuse. Unreal abuse. Unreal yes. abuse. And yeah. you tell me, you really think this is mm-hmm. the same as at that? Yeah. What they're really doing. What, that, what right. this, de- what this right. parent did to this kid. That's right. That's and, right. And then I'll be like, okay, so let's tone it down. I mean, it's something in between. But I do think that, I mean, my view of policy is that the burden is on people who want to do things, especially year after year yeah. after year, yeah. which yeah. will bleed into this San Diego. Yeah. Jesus Christ, at some point, I used to always say, and if people give me a hard time, I said, randomize or shut the fuck up. Yeah. You know, really, if you want me to do something for year after year and do it for millions of people and give you billions of dollars, randomize or shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Show me data that it works or shut the fuck up about it. Right. Um, and they haven't. They have never randomized. Kids, there's no cluster data. Because it's a parachute. But it, I know, but even, <laughs> even they can't believe it's a parachute. Yeah, no, no, if it no. were a parachute, then why does the Twitter yeah. full of, even though we were an N95 always, we got COVID? Because yeah. it's not a parachute. It's not a parachute. Of course. It's, it's just not. in the real world, it just doesn't work the way you imagine it might extrapolating from first mecha- mechanistic principles. They're like in the mannequin. Yeah, in the mannequin. The mannequin. You can see the, and by the way, the mannequins are always white, isn't that? You know what? Yeah, it's Racist. Racist, racist. You you do a randomized control trials. You better include mannequins that multiracial. are multiracial, multiracial, and also multi, you know how identify with different genders. The whole thing. You need the whole thing, dude. But you know it is. Uh, it, it that's a good segue into what San Diego's doing before. Oh, actually, let's talk that's about Angry Docs. Angry Docs. Oh, Angry, Angry Docs. Docs. Um, Angry Docs. Because that that relates to the but the trust issue, and it relates to um, issues around <laughs> what what is emotion. What is uh, anxiety, neurosis, and what is actual scientific data uh, around anything relating to things where you're going to ask other people to do something for you. For example, I want you to wear a mask to protect me. Okay. I'm going to mandate that. I'm going to say, you can't go in a store. You can't come in my business. You can't go to school unless you do that. All right. Then I need to see real good data that that's going to help. Yeah. I would I would think I would think that that should be not controversial. Yeah. And also like, I don't know, is it crazy to say that like what year are we in, dude? I'm like, <laughs> what year are we in? They're talking about San Diego is talking about reimplementing yeah. the student mandate. Yeah. For a while people said like until vaccines are available for all ages, we're yeah. going to have to keep doing this. But vaccines are available, available. for all ages now. Yep. They are. So yep. what is your reason? And then they're like, well, you know, there are many kids who haven't had COVID. Most of the kids have already had COVID. Yep. And then all of the kids are going to get COVID because yep. it's going to keep circulating forever. Yep. So even if you think it's doing something, 5%, 10%, what is your goal? What is your goal? But by the way, I don't think it's even doing 5%. I think it's probably close to zero because yeah. I see how people wear it. Yep. Um, and Especially in school. Especially in school. Yeah. And and then it has negative externalities. They're saying that, yeah. oh, if the kid doesn't want to do it, they just don't have to come to school. There are a lot of troubled kids who are looking for reasons not, not to, to come to, to school. school. You're giving them the easiest one. Don't wear a mask. Send me home. That's not going, that's not good for them. They need yeah. school. What Have we forgotten yeah. what the whole point of school is? You take somebody who doesn't want to be there and you teach them some shit so they're not <laughs> a terrible menace to society. Not, that's what school is. Right. Did but, I want to go to school? No. 
But well, what's going on with overdoses? They're going through the roof. Like what's going on with other externalities in society? We don't look at the area under the curve of we damage. Don't. We, we certainly don't. don't look at it for schools. And so San Diego is now saying, okay, even for summer, even for fall, you're gonna have to wear masks again. And again, when you make a major decision with public school, so this is money public that we've yes, spent yes. to send our children, uh, get the education that they need in order to not be menaces to society and maybe be a little better than that. And you're saying you got to wear a mask, which, by the way, a cloth mask. It is a cloth mask. It's yeah. a cloth mask. Are they? Oh my uh, yeah. God. I'll come so, back to that. But okay. So um, what do we teach? Yeah. No, this so, is what so, the doctor says. Tell me these tweets. Yeah. I couldn't believe this. Somebody sent me this thread because I always aim to be honest, transparent, and when needed, vulnerable on med Twitter. I'm not going to hide this hot off the press result. I have COVID. No, it's not so. Fuck. 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 <laughs> fuck. 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 I'm, I'm just reading the no, quote. No, you're just reading it. The kids in the backseat that are crying are, right now for the bad language. There are six fucks in the tweet. Yes. And a fuck who wrote the tweet. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm also not going to hold back on the forthcoming Twitter rant. I've made no secret of the fact that we've been traveling internationally. So, I mean, if you're really worried about getting COVID. Don't travel internationally. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not saying, like, I don't know. What do you want? Right. I was like, I, you know. Why did everyone at that bar yesterday give me COVID when I was drinking peacefully? I mean, I don't know what you and By the way, okay. Florida does not count as international travel. <laughs> Just FYI. <laughs> That's how liberals think. They're going to, a, they're going to another going country. To a third world country. What? Third world state. DeSantis? That dictator? <laughs> um, okay, I'll skip over some parts. We strategized about every possible precaution we could and would take, but alas, it wasn't enough. Um... My husband tested negative on his post-travel test, but we've been together on masks. Feels like the clock is ticking. Uh, I'm going to skip over some stuff that maybe We know there were positive cases in the seminar group we were in. Uh, the first cluster of what appeared to be post-travel cases popped up last Thursday, Friday, and clearly become a super spreader event. Uh, we were among the strictest mask wearers. There were times where we couldn't avoid indoor dining with the group, but otherwise we all wore high-quality, well-fitted masks at all times, indoors, all caps, including on the buses and in the crowded outdoor areas. For indoor meals, we minimized time with masks off for bites, and we – or – Sat by the door. Sat by door. Okay, well, here's the thing. Like, <laughs> sitting by door does not COVID fight. Yeah. No. Sitting by door. No. That may open and close. This is magical thinking. The door. This is a magical thinking How process. could I get it when I was yeah. by the door? You know, I was. I did a couple Hail Marys. I threw some salt <laughs> over my shoulder. And, like, again, if you really, really don't want to get COVID. Yeah, stay you're, home. <laughs> eat, you're, eating, you're eating with a group yeah. of people indoors. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Right. I mean, hey, okay, uh, anyway. I can't wait for the punchline. Which no, it gets is, worse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was exposed during our fucking travel debacle that started 72 hours ago. Um, uh, 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 how am I feeling? Honestly, jet lag, tiredness feels like that. Not total body fatigue. I have a mild, dry, scratchy throat, but also just spent the better part of 24 hours in planes. I have post-nasal drip, but I ran out of my singular and flonase with the travel delays. How am I feeling emotionally? Here comes the rant. Oh, no. I'm fucking pissed at the world and humanity right now. I'm fucking pissed at selfishness and refusals to vaccine vaccine or mask. The current vaccine variant is surging, especially abroad. It's COVID. What COVID? And there's a lot of caps fuck in this thing. Um, <laughs> here's the one thing that I don't get by this. Yeah. I'm fucking pissed at the selfishness and refusals to vaccinate vaccine. But people who are vaccinated can spread. Yeah. And probably this person got BA5, it from a vaccinated absolutely. person. Yeah. So what does it matter? It may, may, makes no difference. Why are you pissed at those people? Well, this is the magical thinking. 
It's a ver- it's it's a sanctity. It's like they 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 violated the church, the sancti- sanctum that I've built with my N95s and my four vaccine doses, and yet. I am still impure. Why? Because you are impure. I sat by the goddamn door. I sat by the door. What were you doing? Eating with your lips out. Your fucking lips. (laughs) (laughs) Even when the first case in our group were announced, masks were encouraged and recommended. They should have become mandatory, all caps, on the spot. Oh, my. Mask wearing was, all caps, fucking terrible at planes and at airports. (laughs) And then here, all caps and periods between all the words, just wear the goddamn mask. Jesus Christ. So, let me see. Scratchy throat, a little bit, feeling a little bit off, emotional. Like that's what you got out of COVID. So did you ever ask the question, why aren't people wearing masks? Because they don't care. Can you think personally. of anything worse than scratchy throat? I mean, uh, I can think about I it. I can't think of anything. There's nothing. No, there's nothing. I mean, it's really the asymptote <laughs> of horror that we all strive to avoid. Uh, Have you ever had a scratchy throat? Uh, you know what? I, I don't want to admit it publicly because there's so much shame involved shame. with getting the disease. Well, I wouldn't have had a scratchy throat if it weren't for you. I sat next to the door. I don't know what the fuck you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then here. My my family and I have avoided COVID for almost 2.5 years during witnesses that this is the this is the telltale. During which time I have, all caps, busted my ass and driven myself to physical and mental burnout while caring for post-COVID patients and trying to advocate for COVID risk mitigation. I got COVID because hashtag COVID is not over. Yeah. And then, then it says I'm looking into Paxlovid and... I'm a healthy, vaccinated 41-year-old. Okay, just Paxlovid. Pax, and, and then I think somebody sent me another tweet where the person started taking Paxlovid. Uh, and ironically, you talk about things that actually hurt other people. You're going to generate resistance to, exactly. <laughs> to Paxlovid. No, that's what they don't see. <laughs> yeah. Actually, the unvaccinated person is not harming other people to the degree the healthy, young, vaccinated Paxlovid taker yep. is harming other people by generating resistance. Or, 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 or the Fauci who takes the second course the of sec- Paxlovid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hail Anthony, Anthony, evidence-based medicine Fauci. Um, okay. Yeah. Where, here's the thing that scares me about it. I mean, jokes aside, what actually scares right. me about it, if you really hate somebody so much, and this person, it seems to me like they hate the unvaccinated. They hate They're quite angry. the people who don't mask. Yes. Just wear the goddamn mask. They hate these people. Yeah. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Should you be taking care of post-COVID patients? <laughs> Can you imagine your mother? Let's, right. let's Hypothetically, <clears throat> right. your father, your mother... Didn't want to be vaccinated. Didn't want to be vaccinated. They're, you know, our, you know, our families grew up in like, you know, rural parts of this country. Right. Let's just say they will, and you know, they watch yep. a lot of Fox News yep. or you know, whatever. Yep. They just didn't want to be vaccinated. Yep. You tried. You yep. did your best. Yep. You're like, mom, do it, do it. Then let's say she gets COVID. She goes to the hospital, and she's being taken by a doctor who's like just really hates these people yep. and thinks that they're hurting other people. Yep. 
You trust the doctor. Not at all. And 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 again, how much of that though, you're right, absolutely right. If you take what she's or he's tweeting at face value, you would say, yeah, this is not a person I want touching my family member. Uh, if they're somebody who's like vaccine hesitant or something. But at the same time, how much of what they're doing is pure fucking theater? Hmm. Like they're you doing it they feel this way. purely to self-aggrandize, to get attention, to get the likes, to to create this persona, to virtue signal, to do all this other stuff, make themselves, because they don't give a damn about their scratchy throat in reality. That's my take. Really? Interesting. I'm just intuiting I, no, it. I, I mean, I think, I think there are people like you there talk. Are, no, there are. There I are. think this person is genuinely okay. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not crazy, but I haven't crazy seen their other tweets over time, right. but even I mean, then it's kind of okay. like a second self. It's like, this is this persona they put it's out there. It's interesting you say that. But I, I mean, know. I think, I mean, you know, I mean, but I've met people like that. Oh, that are just like that are just that rabid. But but it's rare. And more often, they're like right. they are a little concerned, and they're, they're for kinda, every person this afraid. There's two posers. That's right. There's yes, two posers. There's two posers. There's two people. There's out totally there going, two posers. I wore the damn mask. Hashtag you know stay home. And like I don't know. I mean, d- 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 can we really be honest here for a second? Like, isn't it convenient for your life narrative that the bad people who are doing all the bad things yeah. are also of the other political party with yeah. whom you disagree on other substantive issues? Absolutely. And they're the bad people. And isn't it just like a little too convenient that how was it that these political tribes were split and they did all the bad things yeah. and we did all, all the, the good, good things, things and we're the good people and they're the bad people isn't that like really fucking crazy well you, you know you really think that i mean I, I, it's one of the great untruths of jonathan Haidt, right that the world is a struggle between good and bad people now what about on the other side what do they think they think that we're the people with good senses of humor. We're the people who don't police speech or language. Yeah, yeah. And those people are uptight, yep. elitist. Yep. But on that side, sometimes they overreact to jokes. They uh, oh, many times, many times. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's an equivalent, actually. And they yeah. stifle, they censor books that yeah. they think shouldn't be taught or whatever, or yeah. they tell teachers what they can or cannot say. Yep. They, they also, you know. thousand percent. Yeah. And you know what's interesting is how you see that distinction. Do you see them as equally uh, kind of behaviorally challenged in that sense? Or do you see them as, well, they're less bad than X? Depends mm. on where you live. That's right. And how you're seeing the local neurosis. Like you and I are in the Bay Area. We're surrounded by crazy- People the, like this People thread. like this person. Yeah, yeah. But then if you go to Texas, you'll talk to people who are more on the left and they'll be like, man, this place is crazy. You should see the kind of thing. They'll shame you if you put a mask on. Like my my old father, who's like very sensitive, he we went to go to his vaccine. There were yeah. people telling him, don't get it. Right. Yeah, so so it all is kind of like, uh, again, it gets to that confirmation bias. Right. And what you're but seeing. I mean, I view it like, Extra, um, fundamentalism in all its forms is yeah, bad. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. two people are blowing up the building for different reasons, right. different exactly zealotry. Right. Exactly but they're both right. like, I would say it's very bad to tell an old person who's going to get vaccinated, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> don't do that. And, and people will do that. Yeah. And it's very bad to. To tell a two-year-old, wear that damn, wear, just wear the goddamn mask, you know? Or get off my plane. <laughs> or get off my get plane. Get off my plane. Yeah, I think mean, they're just two crazies. Yeah. So what's the role of, what's the editorial board role of sensible medicine? We're sensible. Yeah, we're, we're not trying cra- to be sensible. We're just we're trying, trying to be, to be crazy. Exactly. Like, like, oh yeah, you're old, you need a yeah. shot, you're yeah. young, you're good. Yeah. That's, yeah. I don't know, yeah. how hard is it? We're sensible. Sensible medicine. That's all we are. We're just sensible medicine. Well, our fans will say that for sure. The Our ones fans. who write to us in, in the positive. But many, say, many of the people yeah. are haters are crazy. Yeah, I, I would say yeah. more of our haters are on this side of the crazy spectrum. Oh yeah, I would say most, on the, most on of the other side. Uh, now, what's funny is when you announced the sensible medicine um, uh, project on Twitter and you listed the the editorial board, uh, a lot of people were like Z Dog. 
That guy's not heterodox enough. Oh, I like, see. He's so pro-vaccine. Yeah, you're mainstream. And so mainstream. Why would you let him? Why do we let a button you know, down and, oh, prude my, like you? My favorite our... is he was wrong about ivermectin. <laughs> oh, he you thought were? it didn't work. I was like, <laughs> yeah. wait, I am? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, he didn't even like it for river blindness. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, it's better for them to go river blind than to take ivermectin. He was a hating ivermectin since 82. You know, river blindness is a great name for a band. As terrible as the disease is, yeah. river blindness. we blind. have ivermectin. Yeah, we have ivermectin. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's a great yeah, name. For that. River. <laughs> river blindness. Blindness. Today, opening for Rush, it's river blindness. River, river yeah. blindness. Uh, Rush so can't be prepared to be blinded by the river of sound. <laughs> <laughs> That was Phil Spector, the river yeah, of sound. River of sound. <laughs> um, so where do we leave off here? I guess Sensible Medicine has yeah. a lot of people. They're meta-research. There are a lot of different people on this Sensible Medicine uh, editorial board, and there will be more to come. They're all uh, – people want to be a part of the project. And again, there's no one – Sensible Medicine is not one thing. I mean people have different views. That's fine. Right. Just as long as they're not like totally crazy. Yeah. Um, but even if they are totally, I mean, I don't know. You but, know, we maybe they can post and we can like, write an editorial. We'll response. take a crap on. I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, one on. of the rules of sensible medicine is that if there's a single author on it. Yeah. It's only the responsibility of that author. They own their opinion. They own that. Yeah. Because I'm not anyone's mother. I right. can't be policing no, anybody. I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be hall monitor. Right. John Mandrola doesn't like doesn't like CRT cardiac resynchronization therapy. What do you think, Z? I was like, I don't care what he. <laughs> I'm still mad at Marty for saying we'd have herd immunity oh, by April. Oh, the Marty thing. Oh, God. Marty, Marty. Marty, Marty, Marty. Is, uh, Marty. It's uh, the Brady Bunch, man. What? And, you know, again, it's a one-sidedness because, okay, uh, well, one, I think, you know, you can go read what Marty wrote in his op-ed. Two, you can realize that herd immunity is not a static phenomenon. It's a transient phenomenon. That's it means right. R less than one in the setting of certain amount of immunity, which Marty may have technically been right on. Marty didn't see escape variants. Nobody did. But you're so mad at Marty. Why aren't you mad at – here's my question. If you're mad at Marty for, quote, unquote, getting it wrong, why don't you go to Twitter circa 2020 and pull every photo of a professor outside with a, with a mask on? Yeah. And, and tell me – Well, they were wrong. They were wrong. So why aren't you – Why aren't you shaming it? Why did you and, – and, and by the way, they posted extremely um, bombastic tweets. Look at me going on my eight-mile run yeah, with yeah. my mask on because yeah. I'm better than you. Yeah. One, because I can run eight miles. <laughs> Which is true. Now, that's I, impressive. Uh, it's impressive. I can't do that. <laughs> I can't and do two, it. I can do it with a mask on. Oh, I was in the gym recently. Oh, tell me about it. Okay. <laughs> I went there recently too. Uh, uh, Just yeah. to virtue signal. I can tell. Look Just how, to virtue Look signal. how huge you are. Oh, it's my, my nipples are big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're, you're I tie weights to them. I yeah. say, yeah, yeah, of course. That's <laughs> routine calisthenics. Um, okay. 20 year old. Yeah. Very fit. Yeah. Very healthy. Yeah. At least it appears. Yeah. But very fit looking. Yeah. Lifting huge weights. Mm. Okay. Big plates. Mm. Big plates on that barbell. Mm -hmm. Boom. Throwing it up there. Mm. Like it's like, like the combine. Just crushing it, you know? I was like, man, is this person, is this person competing? Okay. Wow. Huffing and puffing. Okay. Wearing an N95 mask. <laughs> healthy or not healthy? Insane. Mentally ill. Um, yeah. Now nah, that's, that's being aggressive. I, I would say they don't understand risk. They don't understand risk. Yeah, they don't understand risk. But I would say this. I would even say, is it? It might even be unhealthy. Mm. Because like, yes, under the right circumstances, N95 is protective. Mm -hmm. But are, I don't actually know. I mean- there's no studies. Yeah. There's no studies that show that you can like huff and puff so hard with this, you know, crappy piece of plastic fabric garbage on your face 
Maybe it's not good. I don't know. We don't know because no one's looked at it. And the truth is there's no benefit to it except That's, a virtue signal. Yes. So in my gym, you know, I'll see the people who wear N95s are elderly. Okay. They, fair. Um, they are still, you know, walking around doing exercise. They look like they're in reasonable shape, but they definitely are elderly. And I'm like, you know what? That person understands their individual risk. They feel like they don't even want to get infected. That's fair. They're wearing a well-fitted N95 and they don't look like they're killing themselves with the right, exercise. Right, and they're not looking like yeah. killing themselves. They're not killing themselves. So I was like, good, good, good work. Everybody else not wearing masks. In my gym, I look around and I'm like, you know, the person here who's got the most to worry about is, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm older than y'all. Yeah, I'm the one who's gonna drop dead. I know. I got. I got like. I've got Factor Five Leiden and Prothrombin 20210A heterozygous. Oh wow! Like I get infected with COVID, which I have not had a documented infection. Oh, that's yet. right. You I'm gonna clot your, um, every square inch of my vasculature. I le- you learned this on um, uh, what is it? Twenty three and me. Twenty three and me. Yeah. Twenty three. Never do that. It's just a huge mistake. How will I learn? The consistency of my earwax. Exactly, that it's wet or dry. Well, it's funny, that actually gets to our whole over-treatment thing because by by testing that, I made myself panic about all kinds of things. Now I've gotten over it and I'm like, I don't care. If I'm ready to clot, I'm ready to clot. I don't even take an aspirin, but not that it would help. But the the other thing I did was I did a, a panel. So this is the thing you can do now. You can order your own lab tests online. There's different companies that'll offer it and then you show up at Quest or wherever and they'll draw it. And it's vastly cheaper than going to your multi-system massive health plan that oh, you're really? with, your, with well because I have a sixty-five hundred dollar deductible. Jesus. So for the family, I know, I know why you're doing that. Tax purposes. I know what. You're yeah, doing just hey, I'll write it all off because <laughs> I can do a show about it. Yeah. Maybe you can do a health savings account. Well, I do have one. That's a benefit for rich people. Yeah, like it is. Like, it's a rich person like benefit. It's a rich person benefit. And even doctors don't know how to use those things properly, so no, they can't teach make me, teach me wise offline. decisions. Teach me offline. Well, the, th- the thing is, when do you withhold care? Yeah. So, so what I'm doing is I'm effectively withholding care because I didn't go to my primary doc at Sutter because I didn't want to spend another $500 for like four labs, like yeah. a lipid I mean, panel. If you can do your DRE at home, you don't need to go. Exactly. <laughs> I'm constantly finger up there, constantly. I have a real-time con- Constant streaming for prostate cancer. I'm just, I, it's like a windshield wiper I, over I, my prostate. I wonder what you're doing the other it's day. It's what yeah. I do. Because yeah, okay. the minute I detect <laughs> so much as an aberrancy, I'm having my whole prostate out. I'm getting it robotically done. And when I'm impotent, that just means I they don't do, have to pay for the vasectomy. They, it's not, they do it these days, they, they do the MRI. Yep. And then they follow you That's and they right. keep biopsying and biopsying. That's right. And usually there's some prostate left after all the biopsies. Who doesn't but. want a needle in your anus? You know, know. I, I mean, up there. Uh, they call it active surveillance. That's right. Active surveillance is something relaxed, low stress, but the active part. That's right. Stresses me. That out, involves but. a needle. The the so, I said, okay, it's been a couple of years since I got labs, and my lipids were a little goofy last time. So I was like, maybe I'll recheck. So I went. I, I ordered online because I was like, oh, it's 40 bucks for like, I got a CBC, not a CBC. I got a lipid panel, a ferritin, and I'll tell you about that one in a second because you're a hematologist. Yeah, I'm curious. A ferritin, I got a uh, total testosterone just because I was curious because mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I, I just don't care answer. about all the things that used to make me angry. Five. I bet no. my <laughs> testosterone's five. I bet it's super low. <laughs> and I like all the things that used to upset me when I was a, a young man, like uh-huh. I, they don't phase me at all. Now, you could say, oh, that's meditation. Or you could say, no, he's just got low T. <laughs> so that I test that. And I, I think I did one other thing. Oh, hemoglobin A1C. Because so, oh, okay. we have family history of type mm-hmm. two. So I said, all right, let me do those things. It cost $48. Like out of, you know, I can use a health savings account, whatever. Fine. Uh, it would have cost me 500 bucks if I'd gone to my regular and thing. And you would have to pay because of the deductible. Uh, uh, yeah, but even if I use my health savings account, that's my money. That's, yes, I so know. That, that's I know, a decision know, problem. Because if you don't use it, you can put in your retirement. Put in your retirement know, or yeah, keep it, roll it over, whatever, whatever. So 
That all being said, I did that today. Mm -hmm. I actually got the blood drawn and uh, the place was totally understaffed. It was this Quest Labs. There was one person there. There was a woman who was furious, an elderly woman. Oh, you don't know the answer to these tests? Not yet, but- Why'd you test the ferritin? Okay, so this is why I test the ferritin. This is why I want to run this by you. Like doing on tests that you don't want to know the answer to when they don't change anything. So years ago when I owned a clinic, um, we partnered with LabCorp and we would pass on cash pay prices we would pay for labs, like $3 for a CBC. Like it was like $8 for a lipid panel, like ridiculously low price. The original Theranos. The original <laughs> Theranos. <laughs> okay. And, and, and we pass it to our self-pay patients who are uh-huh. paying our monthly fee to access primary care. We go, but if you want labs and you don't have insurance, you can get them directly through us and we won't mark them up at all. Yeah. And, and so I would go and get my labs drawn all the time. And I'm like, I'm gonna get all the things because I was an idiot. So I ended up getting a ferritin just to, as part of an iron <clears throat> panel. The ferritin was elevated. It was like four or 500. And I was like, oh, this is weird. Oh, I see. Okay. So now I got, let me look at the other iron panel. It's fine. And then I was like, well, do I have any other signs of inflammation? No, CRP was undetectable. Like everything was like, no. And did you do uh, HFEG mutations or like? Hem- so this is what I did as oh. part of that era, I did a thing at, um, Craig Ventner had a company at the time, the guy who co sequenced the human genome. And he had me come out and speak. And he's like, well, do your whole full sequence genome too. Oh boy, he pounced. And I said, sure, I'll do that. Uh-huh. And I, they looked at all the hemochromatosis uh, uh, gene testing and it was all negative. Okay. So I had no, now, unless there's another test I ought to do. No, I think there's just no known gene mutation. There's a certain, right. there's certain, alleles that are implicated. Okay, go on. Right. So I didn't have that in the 23andMe, it came up blank on that too, but they're exome sequencing, so it wasn't as complete. Either way, either way, it was all negative. So I tested again, it's still elevated. And so multiple times over the course of years, I tested it, always elevated. LFTs are normal, everything else is normal. And what about your um, iron studies? Did you get TIBC iron? All, it's normal, all normal, all normal. Oh, okay. So no iron overload. Mm-hmm. And do you have other markers of inflammation? Do you have CRP up in your LDA? CRP, a highly sensitive CRP was undetectable. Okay, it was like, okay. it's very okay, low. Okay. ESR was like three. Okay. So all the stuff was normal. I see. And I see there's a lesson here. Yeah, what's the lesson? Don't test your ferritin. Exactly. <laughs> I was talking to hematology friends. They're like, did you do this? Did you do that? I'm like, how many dollars did I spend following up this lab that it just, I'm a rare abnormality where I have an elevated ferritin all the time. Mm -hmm. So what did I gain out of it? Stress, anxiety, poverty. The only way to rest assured that you don't have a problem is liver biopsy. No, yeah. <laughs> Someone probably would have said that. Yeah, 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 Someone yeah, probably, yeah, well, so you know, that we maybe we haven't, we don't know all the alleles. You may still have hemochromatosis. We'll do like, liver biopsy, bone marrow biopsy. Yep, yep. You know, MR liver. Yeah, yep. I mean, you get down this thing. I think it's a very interesting, I mean, question, which is that, um, you know, I mean, all laboratory tests, what does it mean to be normal? It means like in a distribution of like normal, right. healthy volunteers, 95% right. fall within a certain interval. And then I think, so that's one part of the puzzle. The second part of the puzzle is like, um, you know, we, we I guess we, we always do what we call quote unquote routine blood work in young healthy people, but that to, to some degree is a, is a screening strategy. Right. And the claim being made is that by, by taking somebody in a certain age range who feels totally fine, often looks very healthy, by offering this routine blood work, we can make them better off. Yeah. And I think, you know, we could, again, not to, to sound like I always sound, you could do a randomized study to kind of ask <laughs> if that's true. Well. When they look at annual <clears throat> physical exams, yes, uh, this yeah. is the, this is a BMJ meta analysis. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, the, well, the, the health checks, right, and the, like most health checks and annual physicals, like don't provide a benefit to the person. Don't provide a benefit. Yeah, and you think about all the screening you're doing that shows up a ferritin like mine, and then and remember, you're a primary care doc. You've now got to deal with this ferritin of five hundred. 
in a young person and you're like, does this guy have cancer? Does he have mm -hmm. an inflammatory disease? Does he have uh, iron storage disorder? Is there something else going on? What's happening? And that's why you'll be referred to him. And they'll come to me. And they'll come to, me. <laughs> and they'll come to you. Yeah. And you'll do a rectal for no reason, just <laughs> purely to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even. Yeah. I think we had to learn how to do it in medical school, but I don't know that if I had too many occasions. Did you have actors uh, in medical school? We did. Yeah, yeah we did too. Patients, we yeah. had them at San Francisco and we had a guy who, who he told us, he goes, I want you to, you can call me the Admiral if you like. Uh, and well, yeah, I, I was I like, I don't well, prefer like, not to call I, you the Admiral, I, sir. I, I'd like to call you sir. And uh, I apparently didn't reach the anterior most tip of the prostate. But he knew it. And he knew it. Yeah. And he said, <clears throat> glove back and go back in because oh, you did wow. not feel the whole prostate. And you know what? I very much appreciated that That's because good. I knew damn well I didn't feel the whole, I was like, this doesn't feel like the end of anything here. Mm. And you'll never play piano. Not well. <laughs> not well. <laughs> Wow, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, anyways, we were back to- um, Yeah, what were we talking uh, about? Trust, angry how do you trust? trust? Yeah, <laughs> how do you trust nobody that? trusts us anymore. <laughs> we, we said all the trust? things. How the do you the trust? Um, one thing that came up, a uh, uh, fan had- Oh, do you trust this doctor, angry doctor? Not at all. Yeah, I know. I mean, but it's a parasocial projection. They may be the best doctor in the world, but how they project on social media is untrustworthy to my confirmation bias, which but, is yes. how can I trust someone who doesn't understand risk? But let me, understand. Go, let me go further. I think that this doctor is one of the doctors who's been like always wrong about COVID policy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I see why. Right. Because they're, they're like 2.5 years, I quote unquote, busted my mental and physical health to avoid COVID. So that's why they that's why they were wrong on the policy. Let's apply let's apply Jonathan Haidt's three great untruths to this person because they have cognitive distortions. The first great untruth is that that which does not kill you makes you weaker. So this catching of COVID has now weakened them permanently. They're emotionally unstable. Well, that's what long COVID is, and that's what long COVID is is the weakness of yes. having COVID. And what's the correct perception is that the best you could have done was to be vaccinated and depending on your age, the first booster dose. That's right. Um, and depending on your immunocompromised, maybe the second booster dose, right. that's the best you could have done. Right. But if you're gonna live long enough in this world and you're gonna interact with people, you're you, gonna get it eventually. You're gonna get it eventually. And so you should have more of a sort of like, a, you know, that's life. Yep. I don't know, it's like taxes. Yep. And jury duty. Yep. It just happens. It just happens. And, and it's nobody's fault. And I was sitting by the door. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was sitting by the door. So that's the, sec the second yeah. great untruth is trust your feelings. Use emotional reasoning. If something makes you feel a certain way, that is an indication about the truth of that something. Right. So this person is fucking pissed at all the people who didn't just wear the mask. Goddamn mask. Goddamn mask. Goddamn mask. I feel this way, therefore they are bad people. Yeah. Which leads into the third grade untruth that a, that person- And goddamn mask is a cloth mask, by the way. Oh uh, yeah. Because otherwise it'd be- Full of pores. It would be an effective mask. Exactly. If it was a good one. But it was a good- No, but they said well-fitting. They said well-fitting. But well-fitting well, well cloth, cloth. Yeah. But it was a goddamn mask. It was a goddamn mask. Nonetheless. Shouldn't it be a- a parrot, it should be something, the goddamn shit is misplaced. It, I'm, mad, I'm mad at all the goddamn people yes, not wearing the mask. Not the right. goddamn mask. That's right. Just wear the goddamn mask. That's right. Or goddamn it, just wear the just mask. Just wear the mask. Goddamn it, just wear the mask. <laughs> okay, anyway, back. Okay. <laughs> and that brings me to the third grade untruth yeah. that the world is a struggle between good and bad people. Right. Yeah, and there's no nuance. There's no gray. And, and interestingly, all the bad people are on the other political side. Always. 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 And not on my political that's side. That's right, because it's in group out group competition. But the weird just... thing about me is I'm actually a political liberal. You're right. I'm a progressive actually. Right. And there's this guy, you know, Anthony La Mesa. Um, he's this, um, I don't know, he's a, he's a policy person who focuses on schools and global poverty. And he is a progressive like me. Mm -hmm. And he's like the, one of the handful of progressive voices that I found who's like, actually understands COVID and what it really means. Like, cause I don't think it's the progressive philosophy that's bankrupt. It's that many progressives didn't, 
didn't take the philosophy and carry it to its logical extension. What is a progressive philosophy? I think it is, you know, we support doing more for vulnerable people to protect them and aid them in living a more equitable and fairer life. But what do we do with COVID-19? Lockdown and mass. Yeah, we did everything that enriched the, the rich and, yeah. and punished these people who we blamed and scapegoated, et cetera. Right. Progressive policy to me is always about tolerance. Like, I don't know. Doesn't mean to be a liberal that you don't you don't hate hate people who are born in different states and have different views. Like it's like just can we all love each other? Isn't yeah. that part of a liberal? Ethos? But they don't. They've forgotten the philosophy. So yeah, and they don't see the cores of their own philosophy in the other side either. Yeah. So they don't see the compassion and the uh, community mindedness and so on in the conservative side. They're blind to it. And uh, because it is an in-group, out-group thing, and conservatives don't see the positive sides of, of liberals because they see the excesses mm. that uh, show up in the mainstream culture, which is now dominated by yeah. those excesses. And, and to be honest, I think that's the thing that is like will do the greatest damage to liberals because like the excesses on the liberal side are just so prominent in yeah. the media. Yeah, they're played up, yeah. But then of course you're like, you don't, you get like angry. You're like, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean- well. I mean, if, remember, you're, if your slogan is defund the police and right. then people are like, oh, we don't actually mean that, right. then why is that your slogan? Right. Why is that your don't slogan? Don't make it your slogan. Don't yeah. make that your slogan. You know, remember the days when it was the right that was sort of those excesses were parodied in the media? Yes. Like it was it was the main thing. Yes. Like you would see like, oh my God, look what like even Tipper Gore, who was right. liberal, was trying to do to music and censor right. it. And they, you, know, l- l- you know, look what Reagan is saying about this and that. And it's like, oh, wow, that seems crazy. Policing like speech and language. Right. That's right. That was what, that was what the, the right, right used is. to yeah, do. I yeah, I know. When we were in the eight growing up, we were old people. It was the man. same. I know, right? That was the thing. Like it would trigger our moral uh, uh, antibodies. We'd be like, ah, you can't tell me what I can say and can't say. I know. And now who's doing that? The same people we thought we were part in that tribe. I know. I guess we're not. We're not on the cutting edge. <laughs> and now we're in the uh, sensible middle. Well, that's and it's not even a political middle. It's just a, a way of looking at things. You know, I call it alt middle, right? It's I the know same thing. because yeah. it depends on the issue where I will fall from, like you right. know, per, you know, economic or this or you know. Well, that's whatever. something that so Jordan Peterson, who has this appropriate share of criticism for the way he's kind of gone to this very militarized way of doing things. He used to be quite nuanced about this stuff and he sees it quite clearly, but he says, you want to avoid people who are ideologically possessed. So mm. they they identify as liberal, they identify as conservative and they just have to click all <clears throat> the boxes. And this happens in COVID. Like, well, okay, if you're liberal, you got to click the boxes of stay home, wear the goddamn mask, close the schools, um, vaccinate every single human being 20 times, even if they've been infected and, and so on and so forth. And that's ideological possession. Whereas what you're advocating is, no, just look at each issue based on your the way you look at things. Try to use reason as much as you can, right. <laughs> grow rationality, but don't totally ignore emotion because right. emotion is a gut check sometimes on, is this person totally full of shit? Like when I see some people talk, I'm just like, oh, my gut just is like, this guy. Now people will say the same thing about me. They go, my gut just doesn't trust Z-Dog. Hmm. And okay, I get it. So what is it? And then it actually caused then, me to introspect. But, but then, they, I mean, but you have to articulate what it is about them that you don't like. That, so, so then you have to follow it up. And this is where I think people who criticize us sometimes will fail. They'll have a gut check response <clears throat> and then they'll, they'll fail to delineate in good argumentative fashion, like where are we exactly wrong? Like this podcast I listened to that was talking about the parasocial project, like, oh, we seem like a couple of buddies and we're trustworthy, but then when we go off the rails with science. Okay, so tell me, where did we go off the rails with science? What's your argument to the contrary? Right. And tell me where we had it wrong and how go we might communicate rail, it differently, yes. right? Yeah, then I'll listen to that feedback. But otherwise, I just think the parasocial feedback's interesting because it makes me think about how I communicate. Like, what is it about me that comes off as some kind of bro? that gets drunk. It's very interesting because um, 
maybe, and this is a way in which we're we're different people a little bit because I think you are more emotional and yeah. into that side of thing, you know, and uh, how you approach people. Um, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nice man. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> you're more dispassionate I'm more and, and, and like, methodical. And you're, I mean, like thinking. who, like who do I trust? Like on right. Twitter and like social media, like um, and videos and podcasts. It's like almost never. It's never their presentation style. Um, because I even listen to shows that I'm like, oh, they have good banter, but I like I. I quickly like don't listen to them. Yeah, because I listen to shows where the content is very dense and That's right. the arguments are very like tight. Right. Even if the speaker is bland and the audio quality is shite. Right. But beyond beyond a level of shite audio quality, we all got to tap out. Yeah, we got to tap out. We gotta, when it sounds like a when Skype sounds- on a low bandwidth thing, you're like, <laughs> dude, I'm out. And then this like is going in my ears. I, like I just checking my headphones. Like, oh yeah, did, did it stop? And then yeah. I look and it's like it's playing, but the zoom cut. I'm like, jeez, uh, at least trim your audio. Yeah. Try to edit your audio, man. Yeah, what are you doing? It's terrible, man. Oh, terrible. Okay, yeah. but I, I so I'm listening for content mostly, and um, and then on Twitter, um, I, I I like. I look to see who's actually saying original ideas, and like so many people, like I'm like literally not a word comes out of their mouth that isn't just parroted from parroted from somewhere else, else yeah. or, um, and then and then um, and then like in my field of academics, I read people, I pull people's publications, and I read them, and I try to find ones that I know they could have, they must have written themselves, like editorials where they're the only author or something like right, that. Right, right. Nobody could have written it for them, and uh, I read them, and then half the time I'm like woefully disappointed because yeah. you're like, I'm like, oh, don't you see that? Like, first of all, your first and third paragraph contradict each other. <laughs> Second of all, don't you see that um, these two ideas that you're presenting separately are actually subset? One is a subset of the other, and this idea and this idea that you're blurring together are actually two distinct concepts. So you could have reframed this and. and my much more powerful way mm-hmm. and you could have said one two three four and made your three four points mm. or when people say four points but it's actually just one idea that said four ways mm. i'm like you don't understand you're not you're just saying the same shit four times i was like so I, I see all these things and then i'm like i can make my assessment you know people do it well is you know you read it and it, it feels as if there's not a word out of place yeah you know it's like per it's like perfectly perfect, done you know? yeah. every sentence logical to the next you know so so I, I that's how i trust people yeah well but you have criteria and you also have a you have a discipline and a heuristic of how to look at it because it's kind of what you do. Mm. So that's very helpful. That's why like having you on the editorial board is probably a good thing. And you know, you're right, like my approach is much more um, uh, bullshit meter, intuitive, and that's why I get things wrong more often uh, Mm. than I'd like. But I'll often go back and go, yeah, you know, my emotional response to that was not the best response and then try to in real time kind of process, okay, where did I screw this up? But I guess, I mean, interviewing somebody in the speed of the moment is a much harder skill. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. most of what you're doing is you're talking to somebody who you may have just met for the first time right. sitting on yeah. this side of the desk. Yeah. And you're trying to like, that's a, I, I don't even think I'm good at that. Like I, I bring guests on my show and it is the hardest thing in the world because there's a boundary between you don't want to invite somebody to my, like certainly my show, which is like some tiny show and no. then like shit all over them. Yeah. Like I'm not, no, my, no, no, I don't no. want to ruin someone's day. So Did I it, want to be somewhat agreeable. Yeah, this came yeah. up actually with a guy, Chris Williamson, who has a podcast and he's had some guests on that are very controversial and he mm. was responding to these guys decoding the gurus who are a good couple guys, but they get a little strident about stuff. I see. I think they consider us to be potential gurus to be decoded at some point. Decoding the gurus. Yes, that's right. I mean, again, it, 
it's good that they point out things, and I think that's important to pull the signal from the noise, and they're good people. Decoding, debunking, chat, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, it's it's, it's low-hanging fruit to do that. It's another way to get a captured audience and so on if you're not aware of your, that you're doing it. But they took a shit on this guy, Chris, and Chris went on their show and talked Ooh. about it and was like, okay, listen, guys, like you're talking about me sending softballs. Do you understand what it's like to interview a guest in person who's hard to get? You're, you're lucky they came on your show. Right. They're a big person, and then you're going to take a shit on them. It's like come into my living room so I can take a dump on you. That's not how it works. What you do is you give them an opportunity to present their piece and you can facilitate and so on. And, and push a little bit. And you push a little bit. Yeah. You ask maybe what an audience might ask and but you're not gonna drill on them unless that's your thing, in mm -hmm. which case it's gonna become very caustic very fast and you're gonna find you're unable to actually have the conversations that you want to have. I see. Um, but half the people, quote unquote, decoding and debunking, they don't know enough to actually that, do it correctly. That's, that's the thing, they don't understand the underlying science that yes, they're decoding. Yes. So then you gotta rely on other people that, you, how do you trust them? I know, yeah, exactly, so, yeah. So yeah. It, it's, it's a huge thing, you know, like when they're like, oh, you know, Z-Dog, do a debunking of, you know, whatever, uh, uh, Peter McCullough and his vaccine thing. It's like, well, shit, let me go very carefully here. Yeah. And I'm gonna look at multiple sources yeah. and try to figure, and even then I'm gonna get some stuff wrong. You know, I wrote that like, what did I, I forget, 4,000 word essay in Unheard Magazine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and it's like, it takes a lot, like 10 hours of my time. It's huge. It's hugely like, time intensive. I know I have other things to do. I know. But I think it was fair to them. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah. And it was also Because I cut accurate. them up when they were wrong. And But there right. was there are kernels of what they're saying that, you That's know, the thing. Mm, yeah. If you, if you're on the side of the person who wrote that tweet, they wouldn't even listen to the kernels of truth that uh, McCullough and Malone would say, which is, hey, you know, let's, let's look at the broader implications of yes, policy. Let's yes. look at how this thing is communicated. And that brings us to Fauci. As okay. we get ready Wait, to the last thing I was going to tell I mean, they don't realize that it's the kernels of truth in there that create the appeal to that's, audience. That's and, and why if you do you trust them? And yeah. if you deny the kernels, yeah. I mean, you need to find a way to like, how do you persuade their own audience yeah. that they're wrong? Yeah. And you have to acknowledge where they're not wrong. Yeah, totally, that's right. That's right. That's right. If you don't do that, you're already, you're never going to reach that audience. Yeah. And, and, and you're being dishonest you're because being that's dishonest. not the fair. That's it's not, not fair, fair to them. It's right. not fair to them. So, so good, good, good point. Like with McCullough. So or not McCullough with Robert Malone. So here's a guy, he's got a, he looks like, you know, he's got the beard. He, he looks like a Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds with a, uh, with a PhD and, and an MD. And so, okay, why would someone trust him that doesn't really know all the science of it? Well, it's clear. He first of all speaks to some intuitive truths that they feel already that like this pandemic response has been kind of crazy, that we don't have all this data that we would love to have, that some of these things just don't make intuitive sense, whatever he says, right? Yeah, so so you're aligning to, with him, you trust remember, him yeah. and he's got credentials, wonderful. Now, why would then I listen to him? What's my impression? When I listen to his thing, because the people are like, could you please debunk this? And I'm like, okay, let me listen. Oh, wow, he's absolutely right about our response. He's absolutely right about the lack of nuance. He's absolutely right about the terrible communication. He's absolutely, okay, now where is he wrong? Yes, oh, and now he's wrong on all, all these things. All the other things that he's saying, he's going, he's taking you with him and then he's telling you a bunch of stuff that just, it's, it's either in, it's unverifiable or it's, Easily contradictable, even with just simple logic. And what about, I mean, he's on one end of the spectrum. What about on the other end? There's that guy who like uh, did his PhD in nutrition from Harvard and I forget, and he's on Twitter and he has a huge, and he's always the alarmist, always worried. And he's like, I was the first person to say COVID is a problem. And I'm the first person to say we always have to mask and COVID is not going away. And monkeypox is a pandemic and this, and he's alarmist, alarmist, alarmist. And like half of what he's saying is totally wrong. He's misinterpreting studies. Same thing. And then even like some people who are quoted frequently in the news. They say a lot oh, of things that no, are totally it's the wrong. the same thing. The, so I, who, okay, keep going. I saw yeah. somebody tweet a graph 
and it's an observational study of people who got three doses versus four doses, and it shows the overall survival. And they say the fourth dose saves lives. Look at the difference in the curves. But right. the curves split immediately after the fourth dose yeah. in the first day. It's not possible. And yeah. it's not – and yeah. I'm like – Come on, dude. Yeah. Either your brain don't work or yeah. you know you're bullshitting me. Yeah. The curves cannot split. E- yeah. Even if you think the fourth dose is life-saving, it yeah. has to kick in. Yeah. It has to make something. How can yeah. it work the moment? And, and the fact it works the moment afterwards is that your study's confounded. Your it study's has, confounded. Yeah. Exactly right. The people who would get the fourth dose are X, Y, Z Already type gonna of people. Live yeah, longer, yeah, exactly right. And, and but, the, but the thing is even now, so we, okay, we, we don't really trust those guys. We don't trust the other guys. So how do we find a place of trust? Well, it means that you have to have these conversations in possibly a long form nuanced way mm. on a platform that doesn't, you know, um, doesn't espouse a particular ideology. Now, the concern I have with the possibility of sensible medicine- Okay, oh, yeah, good, is that some concerns. What happens if we go down this rabbit hole where we're heterodox for the sake of being heterodox and um, are just oppositional? Like our, some of our critics will say, we're just, we just are contrarians. I think that the reason I'm less worried about that is that um, uh, there are a lot of people on this in our in our team so far who you know they kind of sat out COVID and they do other stuff right. and so it's not going to be COVID only. Right. I mean. Yeah. So it'll be all the things. It'll be yeah. all the things. Like Adam is going to be. I think his first post he sent me a draft. It's like really about like what it's like to take care of patients. Yeah. So it's really about medicine. Right. And then um, I think uh, uh, the we talk about the places. I mean, to me, like I don't know. The reason we talk about the issues we talk about it is like it's interesting to me where like university professors and the academy is on the wrong side of an issue like yeah. school closure, which they yeah. were on the wrong side. Uh, that's an interesting dialogue because they're supposed to be the smart people. Right. But like, for instance, should you take blood pressure medicines? We've never talked about it, but it turns out we're not contrarians because yeah. I would tell somebody if their blood pressure is 160 over 90, mm. they should take a blood pressure pill. You know? <laughs> right, right. So there's like thousands of things. Not fixing we, it. Yeah. Yeah, we, I mean, we don't talk about all the things that we just agree with everyone else on. Yeah. Yeah. We're focusing on things where we think the dialogue has been skewed. Skewed. Yeah. So that that's really what it is, is why, why would you call it sensible medicine? Well, you're pulling the the topics that need some sense into the fore, foreground because stuff where everybody, there's lots of consensus. It's like, yes. that's of course that's sensible. Like, yeah, we're gonna do those things. But what are we talking about that people aren't making sense? Smart people are behaving badly. Yes, smart yeah. people are saying things like this thread. Right, right. right. And, and then the reason why the thread is like, um, I mean, I think the reality is that more people on one side of this COVID spectrum of beliefs are in university professors and doctors and people yeah. on the other side are more in like other kinds of work. Yeah. And and that's what makes these kind of errors, I think, really problematic. Right. And and they, they are gonna have huge ramifications. Well, they're problematic for a couple of reasons too. One's less obvious is that if these guys are wrong, the professors and all these guys about this, right? And they, by this we mean like, Toddler masking. Toddler or ma- masking. Or masking. Yeah, we're talking about closing schools. Yeah, toddler masking. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like four doses for a, uh, a college student. Right, you know, so right, something right, like that. Now right, we may right. be ex- making it overly hyperbolic, but yes. Then what they've done is they've damaged the the crucial piece here, which is trusting in some degree in expertise. Correct. So we used to trust these, like I used to trust CDC about a Correct. lot of things. me too. And now I question everything. Correct, me too. <laughs> so the public's gonna do the same thing. Correct. And that's the downside of the tribal behavior that we've, that we've seen the group think that's happened. And the public is going to um, be, be like, everything they say is wrong going forward. Right. But there may someday be a moment yes, where, where they actually need them. Where they, <laughs> and they drift back to being sensible. Yeah, exactly. And then how are you gonna win trust? Right. You know, good, good, good example might be, let's look at monkeypox. Oh, yeah. okay. Last thought. Last thing, last thing. Then we got, okay. yeah, we uh, got to get, we got to get a beer. Um, monkeypox is a great example. 
Because people are like, I'm done. I'm done. I don't care about monkeypox. Now, here's a here's a disease That's a, yeah. that we had warning. Yes. Like it, think it was already changing in, in Africa. Yeah. We're seeing it infect other people. It's it's in an isolated to begin with population. You could theoretically target vaccination and treatment to those uh, people. Uh, generally, men who have sex with men. So far, there's eight women who've gotten it documented oh, in the U.S. And but the first thing is you have to be able to say that. Yes, you have to be able to say that. Now, people were burned during HIV by stigmatizing. There was a sense of stigmatization. So now they're backing off so much that they won't say. They won't say. Listen, there's 13,000 cases around the world now currently. Uh, 1,800 or 1,300 in the U.S. and they're almost. A, exclusively, not always, but almost exclusively in men who have sex with men. Mm. Let's look at those communities as the biggest harm reduction we can right. do. And uh, so this kind of thing now, people are like, no, yeah, yeah. So they're, they're, they're burned by HIV. They won't say truth. Then they're burned by COVID. So public health is like exhausted and nobody's listening to them. Right. So nobody's doing anything about it. And the truth is, again, you look at it and you go, well, let's see, nobody's died yet. Right. Um, it is a pain in the ass because once this thing becomes endemic in local animal yes, populations, you're never, down. it's not like smallpox, you can't eradicate it. And that's what Gottlieb says it's happened. Yeah, he says it's already happened, which I think he's he's probably, probably right. right. I see. Walensky was like, well, I'm an optimist. I think we could still do something here. I'm like, well. Talk about someone who has no trust left. Right. I know. What happened to flattening the curve and, and squeezing it down so much that we could get it with contact tracing? What happened to COVID? We know vaccinated people don't transmit the virus. Right. Or uh, we have had no reports of myocarditis and we've looked at 200 million people. <laughs> I was like, mm. <laughs> Wrong and wrong. Wrong and wrong. Mm. Now, should you panic about monkeypox? No. But should we do something rational about it? I would it? think. I mean, you would think. And this is not going to be the end of it. Like you're going to have zoonotic viruses that come out as the climate shifts and there's more humans in proximity to animals. And, and if you sit too close to the Wuhan lab door. I was just going to say, <laughs> when, you have, when you have humans in proximity to a lab that's full of virus. <laughs> but I sat by the door. <laughs> sat by the door. I sat by the door. The that's Wuhan lab that's door. a good way to end this uh, mm. podcast, man. Yeah. The temperature went up a few degrees while we were talking. It really got hot in here, and that's not—it's not, not human-caused. Oh, you're out of the focus. Oh, plane. there you are. Oh my God! I was watching. Don't worry. Okay. It was just when you decided uh, to get jiggy with. The, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, San Francisco is always cold. It, it, I'll take the heat. You take the heat. I'll take the heat once in a while. I like just refrigerator temperatures. I'm, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch one you know, refrigerator <laughs> temperature. So I don't usually do the tourist thing throughout San Francisco and beyond, but we went the other week because my mom, my my mom. Oh my God! What a mm. What a Freudian slip. My wife. Oh. Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, dear. It's funny because I call her mom. Again, call next I call her mom. You know, again, next it's just a thing we do. It's just, it's a, just, thing just do. a little thing. It's we just do. a thing we do. You know, it's like it's like your Supreme Court. You know, dressing yeah. up as RBD. Yeah, RBG. R- 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 yeah. 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 Um, so, so, anyways, we went to Sausalito with uh-huh. the kids after hiking Muir Woods, and Muir, Muir Woods is amazing. So, mm-hmm. you have the touristy area. Have you been there? A uh, long time ago. Okay, you got to go back. But okay. this is the thing. There's this tourist plank where a bunch of like yes. tourists, a lot of it's European like high, tourists, yes, really I high say. traffic. And yeah. you're like, yeah, this is sacred and all, except for all the chattering <laughs> losers that are walking through here. You take any of the side trails off, it is empty. Really? Dead silent. So you could loosen your N95. <laughs> <laughs> I got out of the Vader helmet. I see. And then okay. we started walking freely. And so it was nice. Hardly anybody was wearing masks, actually. It was oh, really good. nice. Yeah. And it was Sublime, sublime. Mm. Then we were hung. We did a seven mile hike. Didn't even know how long we'd gone and came back and went to Sausalito, ate at a Greek restaurant called Zalta. Mm. This is the plug. 
I, I'm plugging them just because proud sponsors of VPZD. That's Zalta. right, Zalta, a small <laughs> restaurant in Sausalito. Proud that didn't even know I was there, uh-huh. but man, it was so good. Really beautiful, like wonderful outdoor dining. Nobody wearing masks. It was just this glorious, wonderful experience. So, and, and your mom liked it too. And my mom, my mom loved it. My mom listens to the podcast. She's probably like, what? <laughs> you have another mom? <laughs> All right. Until next time. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, last the the plugs. Sensible medicine. Yeah. Go. To, how do you find it? You Google sensible medicine Substack, and, and you might find it. And you'll I, find it, or just check the link that we'll I'll put. Oh, okay, that's smart. Uh, and uh, sign and up. Gonna, and we're gonna you're gonna post this video on sensible medicine first. First. If, we'll I, give if it we like can figure out how to do it. Exclusivity. I know. We'll give it exclusivity for a few days, and then we'll put it on VPZD and, and on the audio feed. all the audio video stuff. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and I guess if we have difficulty posting the video, maybe we will just post the audio. We'll post the audio only. Yeah. Unsensible medicine. That's right. Okay. If we have difficulty, we want it to be exclusive for a few days because people who sign up should get some benefit of some listening benefit. to us. We're the gold standard yes. of sensible medicine. You and I. I think it's a fifty percent. People are coming for the atom. Twenty percent, you know. Who yep. knows? I don't know what yep. they're bringing. It's there. true. It's you true. Never know, you never know. I think it's the ladies come in for Marty. From for Marty. let's be honest. I mean that guy. You know, you see him at the restaurant. He knows how got, to order soup. He does. He's got an ascot going. You know, uh, <laughs> it's probably see him on TV. He's on TV all the time. Marty is well known. By by by, it's it's interesting. My parents know Marty from TV because wow. he's always on the news, and wow. uh, they just love him. They're like, oh, is Marty coming on? That's one thing that I could never do because I've always I I turned do on it. a lot of TV stuff over this year. Yeah, me too. They'll they'll ask and I'll be like, it's not really what I do, you know. And this is the thing. This is how they do on TV. They're yeah. like, um, z- z- and our next guest, Zubin Demania, who is the host of the Z Dog MD uh, show <laughs> on uh, available on YouTube. A YouTuber is here to talk about COVID nineteen. Zubin, thanks for joining us. Hi, Zubin. Why are you opposed to children being safe? Um, it's not so much a question of safety. There's but a lot. Masks? Of- do they work or do they do not? Well, this is a complicated question that requires lots of data. Our listeners need an answer. Maybe? The president says that he'll never wear one. What do you say? Uh, gout? <laughs> it is terrible. Yeah, no, it's terrible. terrible. I've done it, and it sucks, and I never did it again. I, I did it years ago, and I was like, this is not a format for me. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the thing. like, People who are, are critics, the last thing they'll say, you know, they'll say, well, these guys are out for attention and all that. Dude, critics. if we wanted attention, we could have our own TV show easily. I've been offered All you have to do is take your shirt off. All- <laughs> And they'd see how I lift with just nipples. It's just pure nipple. If you wanted attention, well, exactly. Anyways, if we were, if we really wanted attention, then then Dude, some, there's so many better some ways. Of the to- and these topics are trash. They're garbage. You just go to pure political show. Uh, totally, of course. Which we would crush, by the way. Of course. Yeah, we would kill it. We understand politics inside and out. Last thing on trust, professional. Politics. I trust people who make fun of themselves and who uh, don't take themselves too seriously all the time. Mm. Who can take themselves down a peg. That's interesting. I don't know if that's us, but I like to imagine in my mind because that's I'm arrogant true. that I'm that guy. Yeah. yeah, you're like my um, my greatest weakness is humility. Humility. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Uh, that, but actually, you know, being able to joke and relax, yeah, uh, yeah not take it all too yeah, seriously. Yeah, not take it all. You don't too see that in the Twitterverse very when often. When you go back to mom later today, you. T- <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, tell your moms, tell <laughs> your friends, and we are out. Peace. <laughs>